Why are we called to rejoice always? Why are we invited to enter into this spirit of joy, even in the midst of a penitential season of Advent? Why do we lighten our purples with shades of rose or pink? It's because Advent is about more than just one coming. It's about three. The cause of our joy is confident hope. It's hope in a coming in which we have confidence. The first coming, of course, with which we're all familiar, is the one which we'll celebrate in just a week or so. The incarnation. God made man. The nativity. Christmas. The second coming, though, is the second coming. Christ in majesty. The fulfillment of all things. The completion of God's plan to reorder all creation to himself. This, too, is a coming for which Advent is meant to prepare us for which Christians are meant to live in joyful expectation as well as a spirit of preparation, and which should be a cause for hope and for joy. And then there's a third coming, which takes place in between the first two. But more on that later. Perhaps no hymn no bit of Christian poetry so beautifully expresses this Advent spirit of Christ's comings, of all of these different ways in which we live in joyful, hopeful expectation. <clears throat> then lo, he comes with clouds descending. A classic of Advent hymnody. Written by the great Methodist hymn writer, Charles Wesley. It is an expression of the approach of Christ on that last day and the different and varied reactions which all humanity will experience on that incredible day. It expresses so powerfully why Advent is about more than just a prelude to a Christmas celebration, but rather about what we're rejoicing in and what we're hopeful for. The reason we take joy at Christmas is because Christmas leads to the cross. And the reason we take joy in the cross is because it leads to the resurrection. And the reason we take joy in the resurrection is because it is the pledge of our own future glory, of our own reinstitution in God's loving plan, of our own restoration in his image, of our own being brought up into God's kingdom. The first verse begins with this image 
of the clouds opening up and Christ descending. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for our salvation slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Christ the Lord returns to reign. Why is this an Advent hymn? It doesn't seem to talk about Christmas at all. Christ for our salvation slain? The second coming? What does this have to do with Christmas? Everything. Christ was born for this. Christ became lowly like us so that we might enter into his glory. He came once in humility. He will come again in majesty. In a week's time, we'll celebrate the awesome mystery of Christ appearing in lowliest form, in poverty, in obscurity, like us. The image is Christ as a little child in a manger. But this hymn begins with another image, the next advent. (coughs) And that image is more like the apse of the National Basilica Shrine in Washington. Christ in majesty. Christ showing who he truly is in his divinity. And none will be able to deny who he really is. And that's what the second verse is about. Every eye shall now behold him, robed in dreadful majesty. Those who set at naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, deeply wailing, deeply wailing, deeply wailing, shall the true Messiah see. Not a lot of Christmas sense yet. We're still waiting for it. And yet, and yet, it's the question that John the Baptist was asked in today's gospel. Who are you then? Who are you? It's the question that Christ himself asked his apostles. And it's the question which confronts us all, which we cannot escape answering. It is the question, who do you say that I am? On the last day, it will be inescapable because we won't look on him with the eyes of faith, but with the eyes of vision. He will reveal himself. It is a great mercy that Christ came as he did because we have the ineffable opportunity to believe in him. On the last day, we will have no choice but to simply recognize the evident fact of who he is. 
and will be confronted with the truth of the fact that it's humanity's sinfulness and our frequent unwillingness to allow him to truly be king over us that sets him at naught, that pierces and nails him to the tree. We hail him so often as our king, but we often shut doors in our hearts to him. We don't want him to reign over everything. And Christ is a jealous king who wants to be sovereign over all our hearts and all our souls. Those dear tokens of his passion still in dazzling, still his dazzling body bears cause of endless exultation to his ransomed worshipers. With what rapture, with what rapture, with what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Seeing, seeing the results of the passion, seeing the consequences of what man's sinfulness have done, will cause believers not to experience despair, though, but rather rapture. Rapture. Because in sin and death, Christ has subverted the order of the world in his own divine economy. He has transformed our own expectations and put them on, his, on their head. Instead of the deep wailing of those who refuse to recognize him, those who recognize who he is and who we are and what we have done to him will gaze on those same scars with rapture, which is why we rejoice. Not because there are not scars, not because there is not pain, not because there is not the cross. All those things exist in the life of Christ, in the life of every one of his followers. But there cannot help but be rapture in the confident hope that those scars will be exalted and glorified and transformed. Yea, amen, let all adore thee high on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the power and glory. Claim the kingdom for thine own. Alleluia. 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 Thou shalt reign, and thou alone. The final verse becomes a prayer. a prayer born of our Advent hope. Christ, who became a lowly infant for our sake, come to us now. Become our King. For the third coming, the third coming that's in between the first and the second is Christ coming into our souls. Is Christ interiorly transforming us 
to become more like him? Is Christ coming in the Eucharist, in the sacraments, into our hearts? Is Christ making our souls his kingdom? Such that at the time of the second coming, we will be filled with rapture and we will exclaim, not deep wailing, but Alleluia. If our souls are his kingdom, if we're made more and more like him, we cannot help but give that Advent prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, because he is already in us. Imperfectly, incompletely, by steps and half measures. But Alleluia, you will reign and you alone. That's our Advent prayer. That's our Advent hope. And that's the cause of our joy.